0: If I had to communicate with you during a crisis, what should I do? Text you? Call you? Send you an email? Well, in an emergency, I might want to do all three, or even something more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 76, as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today I'm joined by Jeff Brainerd, and we're talking about best practices for setting up and using a mass notification system. Jeff and I talk about why with a good tool you can go beyond the typical phone, text, and email approach. We discuss two key areas of using a mass notification system, your people and your messaging. We cover must-have features and best techniques for communicating. The Resilient Journey is now ad-free, so be sure to give some love to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the podcast. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you here. I've been looking forward to this one because I don't think anybody's done much uh, on podcasts around mass notifications, so we're covering some new territory today. Before we get to it, let's start with your background and your role at Regroup. Yeah, thanks,
1: Mark. It's great to be here um, so I've been at Regroup for 4 years. I've working with um you know anything from government governments, corporations, um uh higher education, K12 space um but you know what we do is is work with continuity teams, security teams, safety teams to help them increase their communication capabilities um specifically, mostly during emergencies. Uh, but, you know, as we'll talk about here, mass notification, it can go beyond emergencies. Um, and so there's a lot of other applications for it. And we can we can kind of dive into that.
0: So I think a lot of people in the resilience space are familiar with mass notification systems. Uh, but today, what I want to cover is some best practices. And the reason I want to do that is I was responsible for the implementation and use of a mass notification system in the past and you know, it's easy enough to set up, but you wanna do it right. You wanna make sure you're handling your messaging properly and there's certain techniques. And I think there's some really good uh, best practices that can be applied. So let's start at the very beginning. Let's talk about use cases. What are you seeing organizations using mass notification for?
1: Yeah, so typically What clients are looking for initially right off the bat is something that's going to allow them to communicate in unexpected events. So um, severe weather, uh, some kind of, um, you know, disruption, like as a result of demonstrations where we have to close the office. Uh, And, you know, a lot of times they'll have had some sort of near miss or they've dealt with something recently that, that really did affect them. And reaching out to these these employees or these stakeholders was was tedious or ineffective or both. Um, and so they want a way of broadcasting these messages out. Um, and you know, typically once people start looking at that, they 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 start to gather in additional ways they can leverage a tool like this. So it could be also with IT outages. It could be, you know, with um a remote workforce and and getting notifications to them about Getting back in the office or new policies if they haven't been in the office for a while. Um, And, you know, of course, we all have things that hopefully we never have to deal with, like workplace violence um, in those really severe incidents that, you know, hopefully most of us don't have to ever use a system for, but you want a tool as an insurance policy. And so, you know, they're looking at it for that. And then, uh, depending on who gets involved with the project for this uh, or like this, it can really grow. You know, some of our clients start off with those critical notifications in mind, and then they have this on their shelf and they realize, hey, what's preventing us from using this for um, employee engagement? Uh, we have a we had a client, a big manufacturer in um, Canada, and the U.S., and they uh, during the pandemic, they realized there was not really a great way for them to um, you know get a hold of their frontline employees and keep them. In the loop and up to date and engaged with all of the changes and uncertainty that was happening. Now, they purchased the tool initially for emergencies, but they came back to us and said, "Hey, how can we use this? Um, you know, to engage this workforce where uh, some of these are truly frontline blue-collar workers, um, and you know, is there what what's within the tool that's going to help us enable us to use use this tool for reaching out to those people and." and creating more effective communication with them in a way that we haven't been able to in the past.
0: You know, uh, you said something there that that triggered a thought, particularly now post-COVID with it being hybrid work environments and things like that. It's hard to account for people in an emergency. You don't know, you know, maybe there's normally 100 people in the building, but today there might only be 30, and you might not know how many people you need to count. So having a tool like this can certainly help. All right. So, I want to select a mass notification system. Uh-huh. What are the must-have features that I should be looking for?
1: Yeah, I would say that you know the 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 devil is in the details with these tools. Um, I think if you look across the space, a lot of the functionality and feature sets are going to be similar. You know, it's like looking at how do I decide what to buy a Toyota or a Honda. Or you know, Ford—they're all going to have steering wheels. They're all going to have wheels. Um, they're going to have air conditioning. But really, it comes down to what is going to be the easiest for you to at, both administer and to use in an emergency. Um, and then beyond that, what little details you know are going to help me use this tool more effectively. Um, let me give you an example. Every tool out there on the market has a mobile app um now a lot of times these were developed at a different time period by different developers than built that web interface so if i was evaluating and looking at a tool i would really want something that is almost identical in both the interface from the web and also when i open that mobile app because you know in an ideal world and in many situations when i use this tool i might be using it from the web you know and hopefully i can but then you know when i get into a real emergency um, where there's really limited time, and I'm multitasking, doing other things, and and I might even not even be at my desk through part of this process, I need to be able to log into that app that I haven't seen in maybe you know a month or months, um, and understand where I'm at and how to work through those processes, um, and and get those notifications out effectively without making errors. So when I say details, you know, when I work with clients that are working on changing from one system to another, um, it's often a collection of you know 15 or 20 small detailed uh differences rather than hey, can you do a poll? Or um, you know, is there reporting? Certainly there's reporting, but what kind of reports do you want? And you know, would it be useful for uh to have an API for that reporting to feed back into maybe your business continuity software? Mm -hmm. um so it's it's often in you know the details where the differences lie
0: it's a good segue into my next question because what i was going to say next was i was going to go into us talking about setting this up and keeping the information current and you talked about apis and integration we don't want to send messages to people who aren't with the company anymore we we want to get the new hires in as quickly as possible so talk about that integration maybe with some kind of an HR system or how does that work and what's your approach?
1: Yeah, so that's really the key. And it's it's one of Regroup's bread and butter as far as getting the right data into the tool with the options that a client has for that. So, you know, if we're working with, you know, a corporation, they're probably using uh, an HRIS like Workday or uh, Oracle to manage their human data, Um, but they may also be using other tools like Active Directory or Microsoft Azure that has important data or groups that they wanna be able to utilize um, to make this tool more effective. So um, typically this would be the first step in any implementation is setting up uh, some kind of sync, whether it's API or if it's a flat file that's sent to us via SFTP, um, and what that does is it creates a client's contacts, but also their groups, and so that gives them a big leg up in not having to do things manually. Um, we can create kind of a, a mirror, a reflection of their organizational structure, automatically just from looking at different metadata that would be in, you know, a system, uh, someone's database like Workday, where you know you've got the business units someone belongs in, their job title. Uh, who they report to, uh, what department, what location they work out of, all of that organizational data can be used to automatically create structure. And then here's one of the real keys too, is we, I always like to tell uh, clients that I'm working with to look at what data is available and try and import as much of that into each contact profile as as they, they possibly can. And here's why is once you have a tool like this in place, the day will come where if you are the administrator and someone you know from possibly another team or you'll encounter a situation where you'll have a need to find someone who meets three or four criteria or possibly two others. Mm-hmm. So w- what you need also is a tool that's going to allow you to, to look and query that data outside of your static structure and your static groupings and create what we would call a dynamic group using both and as well as or as an option for finding and filtering those people into a, a dynamic group. And so the more data that's in there, it's going to give you more of that ability uh, to do that when you know that time comes and it will come.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really like that. We're going to talk about groups uh, and grouping people here in a minute. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about the, the way we communicate. Uh, one of the best features of a mass notification system is the ability to communicate through different methods. You call it modality uh before i go any further with that let's talk about that so sms phone email like what are what are the typical ways we can communicate
1: yeah so that's exactly typically what people think of is okay mass notification equals email sms phone call um But it can go a lot farther than that. If you look at the tools that we're using, especially in this post-pandemic world, a lot of organizations have adopted using things like Slack or MS Teams, uh, we can push notifications into those different chat channels that an organization might have. Um, Another option is simply taking over a workstation with uh, a desktop alert where you could, it could be a full screen takeover in some events uh, where I want to evacuate that building and I need people's attention immediately or, You know, it might be something not quite as urgent where I run a marquee like you would see on a news station that scrolls across the bottom. Um, So those are a couple of ways. But then, you know, typically if you look at it, depending on the organization, um, their buildings, which were probably all put together at different times and acquired at different times by different people, often they have existing mass notification hardware. So these could be things like paging systems or digital boards, digital signage, you know. And so one of the great things about a tool like this is you can also unify what tend to be really disparate systems. So if there are sirens in that building, signage, uh, paging systems, even fire alarms, these can all be tied together so that when I broadcast a message, I have the ability to do that just from a couple taps on my mobile app and that's going to activate all those disparate systems, as well as reach people on their phone. Um, and then, for some organizations, you know, we also have a mobile app. This is another way of reaching people, and it's a really effective way um, in terms of reliability. A push notification to a mobile app, um, because it's coming through the other side of the mobile infrastructure through the data side, it, it gives you a little bit more uh, or a little bit of redundancy, which is always good when you're talking about continuity. So, um, you know, the more methods and modalities of reaching people uh, in an emergency, the more effective a tool like this is going to be.
0: I'm glad we talked about that because I was approaching this from the perspective of SMS, email, phone calls, but you've just really expanded everything here. And the idea of using like a, a digital messaging board on the wall, I mean, think of a scenario where, it's an active shooter and you don't necessarily want to maybe broadcast anything. Um, You can certainly still do the traditional SMS and and phone messages, but to be able to put uh, a message on a digital wall that says active shooter in the lobby and, you know, whatever the instructions are, man, that's, that's huge. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even, even for certain work environments, Mark, so we have um, some clients where in some, uh, certain departments, depending on the type of work that's being done, they simply can't have phones. Um, hmm. but you know they have other folks that that do have phones. So those people, um you know in a, in a you know working in a food processing plant, for example, there's probably existing uh, paging systems or digital signage. And so for reaching that segment of the workforce at those moments, you know, having everything connected is really critical.
0: I really like that. now, one of the complaints, that I hear from different crisis teams that I get involved in about mass notification is messages getting ignored. So maybe 30% of messages that are seeking uh, responses or replies from the the target audience go unreplied to. And often the complaint is, well, people think it's phishing. So Mm -hmm. we're in this world of anti-phishing campaigns and things like that. Talk to me about best practices around communicating in a way so that people know that messages that are coming from this system can be trusted. Right. So there is
1: a lot of um, there's a few options here for um, you know, working around some of those concerns. And I think for a lot of um, you know, a lot of clients, this is is one of the things that Regroup does very distinctly is, is understanding where an organization is. Uh, with these types of concerns and making changes in the back end to our tool of our tool to accommodate it and let me give you some examples every provider out there is going to be using short codes uh, most likely to be sending these messages and so th- what that means is if I'm an employee I could get a f- a message from you know potentially three or four or five or more different you know five digit numbers and um, so when we have a client that has these type of concerns what we can do is set, their network to only use one or, or two or something that's preset so that they can first of all, when they implement this tool, let their employees know, hey, if you get a phone call or an SMS from 30890, you know, save that number in your phone. It's coming from, you know, your organization and it's it's verified and it's it's legitimate. Okay. So that's that's one step um, in not having just, you know, a random selection of numbers pushing out those messaging. Um, a second thing is, you know, maybe three or four years ago, um, it was really important that a, a client limited the amount of characters in their SMS messaging. And so, um, you know, typically you need to provide more details. And so, a way that providers like Regroup would work around, um, you know, getting more information into an SMS was providing a link. And three or four years ago, that was really important because the the mobile infrastructure was just so limited that if you pushed out a longer message, longer than say 160 or 180 characters, it would get chopped up into multiple pieces. Well, these days, um, the mobile infrastructure has progressed significantly as as we all know and look at what we can do from our phones and and the speed at which data pushes through on them. um, We allow our clients to tell us what character limit they would like their network set at. So for example, Um, if they feel like 350 characters is enough and we do some testing and make sure it's not going to break those into separate messages, then they, they run with that. And that allows them not to have to insert links into the body of the message, um, that are going to be suspect. And, and meanwhile, cyber is telling employees don't click on links in an SMS. So it could be 400 characters, you know, it could be in the 500, obviously you don't want it to be super long, most I don't think most people out there would ever want to send a 12 page SMS and certainly no one would ever want to read it. Um, but it's just having a few, you know, maybe a, another a hundred characters to get really the details in there without having to abbreviate things that are going to create confusion and, and differences in understanding across different audiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your, your emergency messaging doesn't need a too long. Didn't read, uh, right special (laughs) special message sent uh, following it up so yeah before we send messages though we really need to get organized and that's part of the best practices here too and I think there's two main components of good practice in this area and the first one is our people and then and the next one is the messaging so let's start with people you mentioned groups earlier and you talked about dynamic groups So talk about best practices for organizing people using groups or maybe by geography. Like, what's what's the best uh, approach here?
1: Yeah, it's really going to depend on the type of a message that's going out. So like, for example, it's really straightforward for, you know, an organization. And it's typical that you would have static groups that are set up by um, you know, how you're structured, like, you know, by department, by location, by office building. Right. And that, that, that works great. You know, if, if we have a campus that's closing in Toronto, I can just grab that Toronto campus and send those people a message. Um, and that works for some types of events, you know, you can just quickly grab that group, but other things that are more geographic, like say there is, uh, for example, this week, um, we've just had this big storm that's been passing through North America, you know, from the moving from the west coast uh, towards the east coast. Well, at that point, you know, I'm, and also in the world that we live in, I may have employees working from home. Uh, so grabbing that Toronto campus group isn't going to be very effective. Um, what I really need in that in that type of a scenario is a mapping tool. So I want to be able to visualize these contacts in a way where I'm not just looking at a list of groups as well. I need to be able to see those groups visually and have them represented on the map of where are those offices, where are my employees' home locations, and simply being able to draw a boundary and say, look, if if or a polygon and say, hey, you know what, here is the 20-mile radius that's affected around this area, or here is that, stor- uh, you know, a, a polygon version of that storm system, and have the my network pull in automatically the contacts that geographically fall into that area. It's going to save me a huge amount of time. It's going to be much more accurate. And it's also going to address one thing that you mentioned before is, People ignoring messages. Well, one of the main reasons people ignore messages is because you've sent me things that are not relevant to me in the past, mm-hmm. and so that message fatigue. It, you know, you can help eliminate that by targeting those messages, uh, you know, in the right way. And so, rather than you know just selecting a whole region, you might get more specific by using that mapping interface rather than grabbing. Hey, here are ten you know locations. They look like they all could be affected let's be specific and and really grab the folks that we need to get this message.
0: So you were talking about drawing a polygon around people based on their current location. There are going to be people who are going to cringe at that and push back mm-hmm. and talk about maybe you're tracking people by location. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, you, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So well, there's two ways of using mapping. One of them is where we're, we're simply using a coded address, meaning, Mark, you work out of this office in Toronto. Also, here is your home address. Um, and so you might be represented by two different um, balloons on a map. You know, so like here's your, your home address and here's your office address, right? And I'm not doing anything related to tracking you in that, it's just giving me a visual way of understanding where Mark Hoffman is. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's one option. Now we do provide for some of our clients, they they do want to use live location for sending messages. And it certainly is more accurate in some cases. And it's also, um, uh, you know, important if you have, maybe you're typically based in Toronto, but here you are headed over to Calgary uh, for the week and you're working out of an office there. Well, you wouldn't typically be in that Calgary group and you don't, the HR system is not going to move you over there. And, and that, so that wouldn't be reflected in regroup. So for some of our clients, one option for them is, look, if I draw that boundary around Calgary, I want to know any of our uh, employees that are passing through that area or you know that are in that area. So there is an option within the tool where you can monitor an area for a set period of time. And what's really powerful with this is the way that we structure it is it actually continues monitoring that area for whatever time period and it lets you send distinct messaging based on how someone is interacting with that boundary. So let me give you an example of why that can be useful. Say there was, you know, a severe incident happening in downtown uh Calgary and you were in that area. Well, if you're already inside, at that point, what would it, what is it gonna help you to do to tell To tell you to, you know, um, don't enter that area. You're already in there. It's too late. I my instructions to you, Mark, need to be, you know, shelter in place, find a place that's secure, and so on. But if I have an employee that I can prevent from getting into that danger before they ever have, as they enter that boundary, they might receive one distinct message that's totally different from the message you received because you were in that area. And then the same thing for people exiting that zone. Um, now, what this does for our clients is it really gives them a huge leg up in accounting for people because we don't show we don't show. Okay, here's Mark Hoffman moving around on a map like a little balloon, uh, you know, or an actual tracker would if you shared your location one on one with someone. What we do is we say, yeah, Mark is still inside that zone, or he's exited that zone so it gives that admin a quick understanding of who is still um you know at risk in some way or another and rather than manually counting or reply, re- relying on mark to reply and tell me yes i'm here so it's doing a lot of that automatically without giving away specifics like as if it was you know showing you moving around on the map as a balloon
0: it, there are some practical examples of the use for that like maybe you want your you know, senior executive team to have that on. So for the people who travel all the time, you do have a good idea of where they are. There's a lot of good ways of, of using. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And
1: another, you know, another, uh, industry we've seen use that a lot is, is those folks that provide home health Um, now when they're out in the field and they're entering people's homes, they are literally, um, you know, traveling around all day long. And so in those cases, you know, having that is, just this is huge advantage because, Um, you know, I can, I can target them wherever they are, because it's very dynamic, you know, their location throughout their day.
0: All right. Now we've talked about people. Let's talk about messaging. Uh, Best practice is to establish some templates, right? To uh, allow us to develop uh, messages uh, that we would likely have to send. Talk about the benefits of having templates for various statements.
1: Yeah, so I don't I mean, we've all made mistakes when we've sent a message, just a one-off email to each other. Um these templates one, you know, when you start using mass notification, obviously an error is magnified. So these templates will help you avoid that but also confusion. You know, I we all know, you know, if I read something it re- it says this to me but, you know, my colleague reads it and it's giving providing a totally different message. Obviously what we want in a mass notification is we want to eliminate all of that. So there is no ambiguity in our messaging. Um, and so having templates uh, can allow you to do that. You can also, you know, every, every specific scenario is, there may be variables. These can be pulled out of a, a message and turned into fields. Um, but what it's also going to allow you to do is it's going to give you the confidence to share and scale this tool to other colleagues without having to worry that, you know, they're going to send something out that's totally confusing or uh, totally absurd uh, because they maybe only have access to use a set of templates. Um, and so it allows you to standardize that message um, and also work on that script in in a time where you're not responding to an emergency and, you know, your head's actually clear. Um, and it's going to speed up your communication, of course. So, um, you know, if I can just open up an app and, tap three times and trigger something, I, you know, if I'm trying to write all that, set the message configuration on the fly, um, you know, I'm taking a lot more time on that messaging that it could be spent on uh, other things that I need to do to respond to that emergency.
0: Yeah, the other thing too, to speed this up is that it's pre-vetted because you've run that message past your communications team, your legal team, and that way it's trusted. And you know, yeah, you can, like you said, you know that you have the ability to just send it.
1: Right, exactly.
0: All right, we're running out of time, but I do want to get to crisis mode. So, what do you recommend when trying to account for people during a disruption?
1: Yeah, so there's, uh, you know, a few ways that you can do this. One of the most common is uh, a poll, and um, so you can set up things like, you know, press one if you're safe, press two if you need help. Sometimes it's an evacuation, so it might be. You know, pr- press one to confirm once you've, you're have you out of the building. Um, and so uh, w- what I would really need the, in that scenario is for the ability for people to be able to reply, but not just reply, but they should be able to reply and have a system where um, it's going to be able to interpret the potential for mistakes. Let me give you an example. Your SMS message might say, respond with a number one, and one is in parentheses or in, in brackets. Well, human behavior is sometimes that one individual will respond exactly as you intended for them to by literally just pushing the number one. Others might respond with a number one with brackets around it just as the, as it appeared on their phone. Right. So really you want a, a tool that's going to be able to interpret what their intention was and then provide you the ability to understand what what, what they were doing. So what you can't have at, at that time in that moment is a, you know a system that says, we don't understand the response. Um, because in those emergencies, people go into you know, fight and flight mode where they just are kind of reduced to, you know a little bit of training you may have instilled in them and then other than that just their instinct. and so um, you know it should be a really simple, easy way for them to respond. And, and another thing that can help along with that is an, something like an automated retry if they haven't responded within a set period of time. Because, you know, obviously my job is is not just to continue to send that message over and over. Um, if I can have a tool that does that for me. And right. it, so it might be just going to those people who have yet to respond. And in that way, it's going to help you account for them. Maybe the first time that they received the message they intended to, as soon as they got outside and someone, you know, something else happened. And so they forgot to respond. So that that automated follow-up is is pretty useful and you know we've even had clients who've come to us with specific challenges they said look what we want to happen if people don't respond within a certain period of time we want a workflow where their supervisor is automatically notified that they have not yet been accounted for because um so you know really it's it's thinking about what would be useful and and the automation could be just as simple as having a tool that resends the message or it could go you know a step further and notifying other folks that might be able to say, yeah, that person's actually with me. I'm their supervisor. Um, so, (laughs)
0: um, I like that a lot. That's, that's really smart. Um, I can't believe the time has just flown by. Thanks for doing this, Jeff. How can people connect with you if they want to learn more about regroup, uh, and, and some of the, the products and services that you offer?
1: Yeah. Um, well, the easiest way is to just give me a phone call. Um, or shoot me an email. So I'm on LinkedIn. It's Jeff Brainerd, or you know my email address is easy enough. It's jbrainerd at regroup.com. And um, you know, of course, you can visit us on the web. It's as you can imagine, regroup.com. And you know, let us know how we can support your efforts, or you know, talk about solutions that um, you know might provide an ecosystem that works across all departments.
0: Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate uh, you being here with us.
1: Thanks, Mark. Thank you.
0: I want to thank Jeff Brainerd for joining me this week on the podcast and giving us some good tips on how to effectively use a mass notification system. Thanks to the Resilience Think Tank for sponsoring the podcast. And I'm looking forward also to next week as I'm joined by number one international best-selling author and Ironman top 1% world athlete, Nick Johnson. We're going to be talking about an interesting topic. So join us, won't you? as we continue our resilient journey.